I'd like to share a revelation that I've had. Let me tell you why you're here. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. Being the one is just like being in love. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. No one can tell you you're in love, you just know it. Through and through, all simple. Hear that, Mr. Anderson? That is the sound of inevitability. My name is Trinity, and you better take your hands off of me. Welcome. Uh, hi, Ella. Hi, Hope. Was, we should probably hi, introduce hope. ourselves. I oh, said, Jesus. hi, Hope. It's taken us, what, ten? Hi, and... <laughs> we've We've gotten there after however many episodes. Uh, yeah. Somebody's finally made that connection. Congratulations. Well, now, I mean... Like that's you. That's your version of uh, what I get, which is Ella, 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 A, A, A. Okay, you and I have different reference pools. What is this a pull oh, from? Oh, it's Rihanna. It's under my umbrella. Oh my God! All right. <laughs> uh, so granted, out of I mean, touch with the music scene. I mean, granted, High Hopes is what? That's like the Sinatra era. Like, that's like going that's like way the, back. The jazz standards. Yeah, uh, we, yeah. Uh, uh, I, my dead name is not a secret on the internet. Uh, I just will not invoke it. But uh, Yeah, we already speaking did the Smith of, episode. If Smith right. didn't say it, then you know no one's going to say it. Right, yeah. But like, just for reference, my dead name also had a very catchy pop tune. Uh, from like the 40s attached to it mm, uh mm, which is mm. for, not mac the knife that would have been dope i would have stuck <laughs> with mac um yeah. but uh in either case my yeah. bit with my name is whenever somebody mentions hope in a movie i just lean over to bex and say they're talking about me <laughs> um which it's such a dumb bit but i will stand by yeah. it god damn yeah. it yeah um yeah, so in our previous yes. episode, if you might recall, uh, the actual talked... content of this show, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, we, we, <laughs> so it's in there somewhere. I'm somewhere. telling you, like this podcast. I love this podcast is because it's like <laughs> it's like a sandwich with like every type of bread in there, and then you're like, I swear to God, there's meat in this sandwich. Like I swear to God, like wow, wow, you just nailed us, my friend. Holy shit! But it's good fucking bread. <laughs> It's um, Christ! Wow, this is. I have us. fun with the bread. Good, um, good. I'm yeah. glad you enjoy the sourdough, pumpernickel, whatever we've got going right on there. Yeah, um, yeah. In our previous episode, we covered the concept of the hero's journey, the all the archetypes uh, within, and all the sort of plot tropes and and the story circle that has been used over the years as uh, sort of the monomyth, Joseph Campbell. Um, you know, guide to yeah. storytelling. And um, uh, we oh, talked about oh. how it applies to a bunch of... <laughs> we talked about how that applies to various uh, films and stories, uh, including The Matrix uh, itself, particularly the first film, 
uh, and how it is basically the textbook perfect example of uh, the monomyth in action, the hero's journey uh, from start to finish, from the call to adventure to refusing the call to passing a threshold into a new world. And uh, over time, the hero changes, meets allies, faces challenges, and and returns to the world that they knew, but different and, and changed. <laughs> that was an excellent recap. Well done. Ah, shucks. It's, it's, did you have that? Um, you know what? Don't tell me if you had the window open. I want to live in a world where that's just magic that happened. Um, yeah, you'll never know, and uh, the listeners will never know. Great. I would bleep it out if you told me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. And, uh, I mean, that that the hero's journey is basically the first Matrix movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's what that's what they had in mind when they came up with the monster. Exactly. They're like someday these really cool trans girls are going to make a, a, a cool. <laughs> well, to my point, like I said, I I've said this before. I've said it last episode. I said it on the first episode. I respect the original The Matrix (parentheses 1999) because it utilizes the hero's journey structure to info dump. So much nonsense that the, mm-hmm. the the viewer would have had no real context for in 1999. Um, so like AI. Son of a bitch, you pull it out first. You mean <laughs> artificial intelligence? Yeah, son that a, one. Son of a bitch. I had the conversation with myself. You know, I should really drop that, uh, turn that into a sound drop for the show. And I'm like, no, Ella will reliably bring that bit up every yeah, single every time. time. Great. Every time. I don't have to do any more editing work than necessary. Fantastic. I love it. Fabulous. <laughs> right. But like, you know, you have to explain to the person what the internet is or hacking or all this other horse shit. Um, yeah, but that's why it's so valuable to have our, our hero be someone who doesn't really know anything about the world that you're entering because it allows the audience to be in that character's shoes. Um, this is notably yeah. something that the sequels are <laughs> out the fucking window, <laughs> along with many other things. Because in the sequels, you are... You're, I mean, there, I, there's definitely stuff that Neo doesn't know about that he learns about. I mean, obviously, everything with the architect is being, you know taught to neo but a lot of stuff the characters know and the audience doesn't every character knows and the audience doesn't there is no like audience avatar in those cases but yeah that kind of leads into our broader topic for this whole episode because it's the the sequel to our previous episode about the hero's journey <laughs> uh which in our notes we we aptly referred to as in our like list of topics i have it down as the hero's journey slash fuck the hero's journey (laughs) um which is the fact that the matrix sequels uh specifically uh reloaded and revolutions completely buck the trend and completely you know abandon the the hero's journey story circle um too interesting effect, I think, as we kind of yes. touched on um, in our episodes about the movies themselves. But now we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. They are they are for uh, lack of uh, uh, a better term, flawed movies. They're um, movies. They're definitely movies. We can say with absolute certainty that they are the second and the third Matrix movie. I feel like I'm literally the host of a podcast where I'm actively defending my love of these movies. Um, <laughs> and I think they're good. Don't get me wrong. It's so like, strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I know they're flawed movies. I know they're more fun to think about than watch. Yes, well, that's what we're here to do. We're here to think about them more than talk about the quality of the films. Yeah, because that era of CGI was already dodgy as hell. And, I mean, to the point of using these storytelling tropes as tools to convey complicated information, you want, like, there's nothing familiar uh, in the original The Matrix, or at least anything that is familiar, like a cubicle desk job, is presented in the most alien way possible. And then you're entering into another buck wild, terrible world. Yeah, you want I mean, something yeah. that's familiar, and at least the structure of the story is familiar. The world of the Matrix is familiar but unsettling, which is that intentional splinter in your mind effect of how to communicate oh, yeah. the feeling that something is wrong that you can't put your finger on, and then you get to the real world where it's very obviously completely fucked up, and you need oh, to yes. need to save this world, you know? Right, but I mean, like it's the same thing in like Lord of the Rings that uses the hero's I journey just the because oh hell yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that too at some point. Yeah. Um. Uh, I actually did uh, my Lord of the Rings rewatch over Christmas. Uh, as a follow-up to our last episode, uh, I spent my entire uh, COVID quarantine just watching Lord of the Rings and taking selfies. It was a good time. Yeah, um, yeah you're totally right. I, I don't know if we mentioned it last episode because I know they used Lord of the Rings as an example. So I apologize yes. if I'm repeating myself from our previous episode, but the concept of crossing the threshold in, in the hero's journey when you leave the known world and enter the unknown world is literally a scene of like, well, this is it. If I take one if more I take step. One more step. The, yeah. I love it. And then there's, a, there's it. the edit where someone, every time <laughs> he takes another step, they play that oh, clip. Shit. What's the running time on that it's shit? Like, it's, it's, and for a Lord of the Rings thing, it's long, and that's saying something. <laughs> um uh god yeah, let's see if i can find it um oh, i'll be right i'm gonna no I'm none of these are the appropriate second. length for it to be that yeah uh, <laughs> oh shrek but every time he takes a step it speeds up by five percent now that i'm in for um did i lose you hello oh no uh, what oh i thought i lost you and I nope, talked no as if I had lost you, and now I should probably open edit notes so I can <laughs> edit out that. this vamping. Uh, son of a bitch. Matrix edit notes. Uh, fuck the hero's journey. Uh, six. Lot of bullshit. All right. I'll know to cut that out now. Yay. Um, yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, I feel like since I think this episode concept was primarily your uh, sort of brainchild, so why don't you like kind of start us off and all right? So, um, because we because I am so incredibly lazy, and uh, I will be using Wikipedia as my source for this. If you want to look up the Wikipedia entry for the seven basic plots. Uh, colon, Why We Tell Stories is a 2004 book by Christopher Booker containing a young influence. That is young, right? As it's opposed a soft to the 2004 J. film adaptation by Christopher Filmer. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Um, <laughs> influence no analysis of stories and their psychological meaning. Uh, Booker worked on the book uh, for 34 years. Holy shit. Well, yeah, uh, I mean... 
gotta live up to your name, right? You got, you gotta, you gotta. The, the co- okay, but it's like he wants me to make this joke because the cover is a stack it's of books. <laughs> <laughs> Miserable. Um, God damn. No, I love it. It's like it's like the days where like the olden days where your surname was your job, right? Like, yeah. Hey, you keep keeping it real. I respect. Yeah. Even um, and what I truly love about this article, having read through it earlier, is uh, it starts off under the summary with the meta plot, which is a real quick breakdown of the hero's journey. And I feel yeah. like it's one of those things where they're trying not to say those words. And it's like, no, it's like, this yeah, is... when you have to, when you have, I get it now, you have to paraphrase. Uh, right, uh, exactly. Of course, it, it definitely it's, feels that way. Oh, um God. And yet, I think I gel more with this than what we talked about in the previous. Because I, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll just skim it real quick for the listeners who might not oh, be yes, following absolutely. along. Absolutely. Says the meta plot begins with the anticipation stage, where the hero is called to the adventure, followed by a dream stage. The adventure begins. The hero has some success, has an illusion of invincibility, but then there's a frustration phase where the hero uh, confronts enemies. The illusion's lost. Nightmare stage is the climax of the plot where the hope is apparently lost, and then the resolution where you overcome the odds. I I think I like that. I think that feels more flexible and more like sort of transient than the the hard like steps of a journey. Yes. Um, I the, think this the allows for more step program. Yeah, yes. I think this allows for more flexibility, and it's also like that's more universally applicable to stories, I think, as far as like the where you feel certain emotions um mm-hmm. it was it reminds me of i don't mean i don't know if it's still up I, I guess it is i don't know where a lot of her stuff ended up nowadays because i know she's semi-retired but like Lindsay ellis did a video about the three x structure and like what is the purpose of it like what does it actually mean oh, interesting. anything i'll have to look that um, up. and she essentially i believe like concluded with that the three x structure is relevant because it signifies the buildup and release of different tensions throughout the plot like of like you know what's going to happen and then there's a certain conflict or question that's set up at the beginning of an act that is paid off or resolved at the end of the act and then that leads into the next one um and it's not always concrete plot stuff but it's about your emotional reactions to things yeah i like that yeah uh uh feels more human than just uh the uh (laughs) The the very architect like breakdown. The checklist, yeah. The checklist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's very save it's, the cat. It is, yeah. And it's also remembering that like stories are for people. Like stories are for audiences, not for exactly. like not for calculators. Um <laughs> so, like Texas Instruments wants a rule. word. Yeah. 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 And the word will be boobies when you flip it upside <laughs> down. Um I set the dials when I can at work to 42069 yeah, because yeah. I am a child. Yeah, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's I think keeping in mind what's really important when you're telling a story is like the people you are telling it to. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like me. I, I, I'm such like an angry, uh, almost uh, 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 
oh god, what's the word? Iconoclast, I guess. Whenever I'm presented with a list of of like plot structures, whatever, I I immediately want to disprove the theory. It's like, nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can cram Ponyo in here. Ha ha! I can't. I mean, yeah, because like, but well, but I like mean, you I said, can't, I this much more Western, right? It's a very Western. I not that I exactly. I had yeah. to use the term Western. I, this is something I definitely brought up in the previous episode, but I think it bears repeating. Of like, I think saying like a western culture or western like society is sometimes used by not very great people as a dog whistle for not very great things oh my Um, god yeah but you know you know and with that said yeah you're right like most like ghibli movies for instance like take time to breathe in ways that most films don't so it's harder to fit that in god we Um, watched so much ghibli lately i've just got hayao miyazaki on the brain these days (laughs) Bought the, I found it on eBay for 40 bucks. The complete works. All we're missing is the boy and the heron. And wow. uh, holy shit, it's been a good time. We made wow. ramen with Ponyo and it was the best. Wow. Uh, yeah. Ponyo was there? stars. Should have made Ponyo ham. was there. Sasuke uh, love Ponyo and Ponyo love ham. Love this, ham. These, these are two <laughs> facts that I know. We hold these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sasuke love exactly. Ponyo and Ponyo That's, love ham. We, we, can, um, we can ditch one of those amendments for that. And by the transitive property, Sasuke loves ham. Yes, exactly. Correct. This is math. Yes. Um, but but like you were saying, going back to this Wikipedia article, yes. this breakdown of the meta plot, as it were, is is much more emotionally driven and feels more just human. It feels more English major than math major. Right, exactly. <laughs> like Kiki doesn't have like a Dr. Robotnik she's trying to fight. No. No. Uh, so but yeah, she does have right. but she does have these phases of her story where she begins setting out to the city uh she has the success with monetizing her magic abilities (laughs) then she gets kind of frustrated with it and then she she loses it um and then she has to fight to to regain that uh yeah it's like the antagonist is depression Mm -hmm. burnout it's 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 not even like the it's not even like quote-unquote man versus self or anything like that. yeah which is what that's what i that's what i thought this was gonna be yeah. When you said the seven basic plots, I was expecting that thing of like, oh, man versus man, man versus, you know, whatever. Oh, no. They, the only one of those that I truly love is uh, man versus machine, because that feels like my day-to-day life. Um, That's also the Matrix. It, it is also the Matrix. But man to, is, to, to you know, uh, man, man is flexible. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right in that, especially for us and for fittingly for the Matrix, when we... <laughs> When we see a set of rules or a set of things, it's like, this is how things are always. Want this or this or this. We're like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's the entire uh-huh. problem with, like, uh, uh, um, pronouns and labels and all of that stuff, uh-huh. just in a broader term. You're trying to define something that isn't entirely definable. Yeah, like, you need to... 
yeah, n- define every yeah, like, find a chair while encompassing everything that is a chair and not exactly. You're not going to find a one a size fits all scenario. Like I'm a 38 year old late in life trans she her, and I like to describe myself as a power milf. Like what the yeah. fuck does that mean? That yeah. doesn't mean goddamn anything. But that's it works not going to be on any. That's not going to be on any drop down. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, right, in my yeah. perfect world, when I am queen, it will be. It will be the oh. only option. All hail. Please remember me when you make it to the top. Thank Um, you. you. I would love to see that on my passport. Yes. Uh, Um, But yeah, it's, it's, and it's fitting that, of course, the Matrix, you know, sequels of all movies would be the ones to say, like, well, why does this system exist? You know, we made a movie that is the perfect encapsulation. We we perfected this. Now let's (laughs) throw it out, you know? Like, we... We don't need yeah, it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's the entire point of the Matrix. And I mean, the theme, well, to me anyway, but the theme of um, the movies overall is just trying to break out of cycles. We've said this many times before, break out of cycles that you don't even realize you're trapped in. And mm-hmm. one of those cycles happens to be the story structure concept. Right. And they just shut that like, out the window for these meta crazy... in a great way. Like... <laughs> right, exactly. Which is, which is why I love it so much. Also, the machine fighting is so cool. Um, yeah, so the idea that the story <laughs> structure itself and the hero's journey is in itself reflective of you know societal patterns that that are that are oppressive i mean it's same thing with I, i'm sure we'll do an episode about this you know separately but like the oh idea God, of yes. chosen one and the hero themselves is like oh god dude, that's inherently putting people Whoa. above others that's putting someone as more special and more important than others which speaking is of, uh, yeah speaking of, like, right speaking of a profit profitized chosen one movie from 1999 bex and i recently rewatched for the first time for me and gotta be like phantom 10 menace? 12 years phantom menace okay i fucking, was wondering what you were getting at i was like what could that be that fucking movie god damn it first uh, off they've replaced the puppet yoda with cgi yoda they have, okay but that it, fuck that i get it i get your frustration however yeah. puppet yoda in that movie looked like ass I'm not disagreeing with you. The character is off model, but you are disrespecting like, the work of Frank fucking Oz, right. George. It's, he, uh, it's like they took, it's like they're like, all right, we're, we're trying to replicate the original Yoda puppet. And it's like they took it out of storage and the latex had degraded and they were like, yeah, we'll just make it look like that. No, you, you make it look like how it looked before. <laughs> <laughs> if anything they should use cg to replace it with a fucking last jedi puppet that that one looked fine that one i mean that was a real puppet that they just made glowy blue in cgi so like the ears right, are I'm wiggling because oh god film the you know film that puppet replace yeah. it with CG in that fucking movie it's so fucking frustrating anyway yeah. but yes Speaking this of frustrating, st- talk. <laughs> we're both very passionate about Muppets. I we think. are. And I mean, um, I, I expect nothing less from most people. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm itching to rewatch Treasure Island unrelated. But that one's um, great. That one's yeah, great. That's God, one of my favorite. I love favorites. that fucking yeah. movie. Um, OK, so yeah. the seven plots. 
Do we want to start cracking into them, or how much? <laughs> I think so, but what were you trying? Was there a different point you wanted to make? About oh Fantasy shit! Fest? Um, goddamn. Uh, yeah, the prophecy thing. Like, I had I is this especially hits for me because, like, again, this is where that generational difference comes in. You were literally born in 1999, right? So I was like, born in, yeah, yeah. I born to, a, born to a virgin birth. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't even. No, no, can't, can't, can't. Um, but my and point like, is, who is his father? I'm like, well, it's it's Palpatine. It's implied I'm, that it's Palpatine. I'm so gonna just throw every. I'm gonna find George Lucas and throw him out a window. Um, <laughs> but so my point is, I grew up with there only being three Star Wars movies. Mm, you yeah. came to you you came into consciousness when there was already at least four Star Wars movies. That's true. Yes. Um. So the idea yeah, I, of I, I remember seeing teaser trailers for Attack of the Clones and then right, not like, like <laughs> yeah, not worth the hype. Um, I'm not getting it because I don't know if I had even seen the originals. Like I, right. I recognized R two and three PO, and that was it. I mean, yeah. those are the two, yeah. But, yeah. like, besides getting into my deeper anger and frustration at Star Wars at large, uh, um, there Which had I never... Which I like I goad you into once an episode. You do, you do. We also <laughs> invoke Shrek once an episode. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's, this is the worst drinking game ever. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh... uh there had never been a chosen one mentioned in Star Wars before. There had never been a brings balance to the force in Star Wars before. Right. Um, so this was entirely out of left field. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, there's a chosen one. Yeah. But we know he's Darth Vader. Oh no. Um, it's all very frustrating to me um which is yeah. again why i really respect and love the matrix so much for making a good chosen one prophecy movie and then completely chucking it out the window in the sequels i love that yeah because it's it's doing the reverse because yeah. the, if, if the original three star wars films in isolation i i promise we'll make star wars relevant to this episode um, yes. <laughs> as, as you as you have teed it up um but, well, I mean, you've already made it relevant, but I'm here to sort of help that out uh, for once. Um, is that, you know, looking at the original trilogy in isolation without the before the prequels even came into the picture, you're seeing a guy who, you know, fell to the dark side and by his own will, you know, I, I, I struggle to say redeemed himself because he did kill a fucking lot of people. Um, but he, you know, <laughs> her, he, he did something noble and important, you know, he did something good he, out of love, you know, for the first time in who knows how long out of his own will. Um, and that's the story. And then they introduce this prophecy element and it retroactively makes that preordained. Right. Exactly. It's and incredibly yeah. frustrating for me. Because it's like, like there's that kind of irony of like, oh, well, he fell to the dark side, so the prophecy wasn't fulfilled. But then he killed the emperor, so like technically the prophecy was fulfilled, I guess. Yeah, which he brought is... balance. He brought balance to the force, except I guess he didn't because there's still guys around and and we're making more movies. But who cares? Yeah, <laughs> it's um th this. It, we're going to do, I feel like, a whole angry episode about Star Wars at some point. I think we I'm have just to. getting it's that feeling. We have to. Valve. 
Uh-huh. But like, yes, uh, uh, I think the context of everything is very important. I would love to do an episode just about 1999 as a year in film. There's yeah. already an entire podcast about it called Podcast Like It's 1999. That's right, yeah. And it's just kind of incredible what a bananas year for cinema that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Matrix, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, Fight Club. It's just... Two of my all-time favorite movies. And it says, <laughs> oh, I was reflected on my letterbox, Matrix and Toy Story 2 are both 1999. Toy Story 2, yeah, exactly. It's it's absolutely bananas. Uh, um, that year alone, and the context that The Matrix became the first million-selling DVD out of right. that insane oh, lineup. Kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, well, so I guess the point I was trying to make is that while Star Wars, you know, introduces this uh, show, this this narrative structure into itself and it damages the quality of the storytelling, um, Matrix does the opposite. Matrix takes the structure that it had and throws it out and, you know, arguably makes uh, worse movies, but it, it certainly <laughs> does. It, makes it, more, it, it adds depth is what it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, you exactly. You can't deny that they're deep movies, regardless of of uh, how you feel about them, their quality. No, they're also deliberately trying to invoke, like, the the literal resurrection. Um, yeah. It's, it's, they, they, they have written into the script, people only say, Jesus Christ, or whatever, in reference to Neo. Yeah, my own um, personal Jesus Christ, man. Right, exactly. It's incredibly deliberate, those films. Whereas man thing. Yeah, whereas Star Wars just feels so <laughs> tacked on top of everything else. Right. Uh, it's not like yeah. baked into the the the, the piece as No, yeah, were. you're right. Everything is yeah, everything is is uh has a purpose. But what is purpose? <laughs> It drives us. No, I actually didn't mean to invoke that. I, I, Are you sure? Are you I, sure I you didn't perfectly sure. set yourself up Smith, for that? Smith just took me over again in oh, that moment. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, well, it's he'll have to, to stay longer next time yeah, or, or next give time. me some notice. I'll bake him a nice uh, omelet or something. Cookies. Um, <laughs> he love. Christ. Okay, um, so the story structures. Yes, the plot. Um, we're, just ha- alternate. we're more than half an hour in, and we've already established that, yes, this is a Matrix podcast, and we're huge fucking dorks. To be um, fair, we did talk a bit about <laughs> the Matrix already. It's more just... We did. I think we it's did. interesting. This episode, I was thinking about how to go about this episode. It's almost like, it's like proving a negative. Like, we're talking about how the Matrix sequels don't do something. It's like, it's hard to kind of, you know, back up. You know, like, yeah, exactly, with, exactly. But, but, but I, think we're, um, I think we're doing it. I think we're doing it. I think we're there. So the plots, uh, the first plot listed under the Wikipedia article for the seven basic plots. If just as a reminder to where we were, if you're reading along, uh, number one, plots. overcoming the monster. Uh, the protagonist sets out to defeat an, an antagonistic force. Parentheses often evil, that threatens the protagonist and slash or the protagonist's homeland. And I love this. They cite examples. Uh, Perseus, Theseus, Beowulf, Dracula, The War of the Worlds, Nicholas Nickleby, The Guns of Navarone, The Seven Samurai, parentheses, Magnificent Seven, James Bond, Jaws, Star Wars, Naruto, and (laughs) some other bullshit. Um, I love that in there with Perseus. (laughs) 
Naruto feels I know nothing about that show, to be fair, but it it sounds one of these things is not like the other. I mean, I believe it. You know, I, I, I certainly believe it. I, I believe it. I believe it. It's just Naruto feels like a punchline of a title to me. And I that's probably mean, but. No, nah, Harry Potter's the real punchline of a title. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yeah, but like Seven yeah. Samurai, Jaws, Star Wars, Naruto. Okay. This is something I, I realize a lot in terms of storytelling where like, oh, sorry, you, you're finished your thought. Oh, no, by all means, keep going. What I think about a lot is that um, stories in which the kind of the driving force of the story is the villain and the villain is going to do something and you have to stop them as versus character just wants something and then and, and goes out after it and, the, and maybe there's a villain along the way you know exactly um this is it's it's, it's yeah it's driven it's antagonist driven yeah. um so then next one so uh, we yeah have, we have rags to riches is the next story uh the definition being the poor protagonist acquires power wealth and or a mate loses it all and gains it back growing as a person as a result i think it's you know, stories about, about class, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, so we have Cinderella, Aladdin, Jane Eyre, The Ugly Duckling, The Prince and the Pauper, a lot of those stories. I, I won't go down the whole list. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I just had fun listing all of that shit. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, that it's... was a good list. That was. A good list. <laughs> There's a couple of decent lists on this yeah. uh, list. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, rags to riches, that's fairly straightforward. Um, did you have anything to add about rags to riches? I think I'm just like, yeah, no, you nailed it. It's a class I mean, story. It, yeah. It's a classic story. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the seven. The quest. Uh, the protagonist and companion set out to acquire an important object or to get to a location. Wow, I misread that as to get a location. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a real estate joke, real I guess. Estate, yeah. They face temptations and other obstacles along the way. So vague. Love it. The Iliad, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Divine Comedy, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I mean... Who's, who's pranking us by making these lists? <laughs> technically, Wikipedia comedians, man. Wikimedians. Yeah. Wikimedians. Um, um, but, <laughs> yeah. but like... Raiders of the Lost Ark, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You please put Last Crusade next to Holy Grail, please. Yeah, please, yeah. Please. <laughs> um, Whatever. Voyage and Return is the next. Uh, the protagonist goes to a strange land, and after overcoming the threats it poses or learning important lessons you need to that location, returns with experience. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, The Hobbit, uh, Back to the Future, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Gulliver's Travels, Peter Pan. Goldilocks and the Three Bears is an interesting choice. Uh, I, hmm, huh. That hadn't occurred to me when I was glancing down this list, huh? All right. I, I guess that's technically true. Does um, she uh, Does she return in that story? I, I, I don't know. I never really knew what the lesson of that one was supposed to be. Gonna be real. It's been... More than thirty years since I've heard. I've, most I've of my exposure to engaged with that story. Yeah. yeah, most of my exposure to Goldilocks has been through parody, where she just gets mauled by bears. So <laughs> I don't really okay. know what the lesson is. 
Uh, I think it's also it's to me it was always it was less of a morality tale and more of just like a Sesame Street sort of thing to understand the concepts of like this is too too hot too cold this is just right this is too you know it was more of a I don't know at any rate uh what's the next one okay well no hang on sorry we have to say this I made the mistake of clicking on the Licky Wink to Goldilocks and the Three Licky, Bears the Licky Wink the Wiki Link. Um, he said Licky Wink. The wick. Look, you know I record these pretty high. So Yeah, but Licky Wink is really funny. <laughs> and I'm going to write don't, that down. Don't read into it, kids. Uh, <laughs> Licky Wink. Licky Wink. Uh, 19th century English fairy tale of which three versions exist. The original version of the tale tells it of an impudent old woman who enters the forest home of three anthropomorphic bachelor bears while they are away. She eats some of their porridge, sits on one of the chairs, breaks, slaves, the Goldilocks. Okay. Have you ever heard of a version of that story? Were you a, as a child? No, did you I ever never interact heard of with an old lady. Bears. That's amazing. Shrek no. should have done that. Because that rules. <laughs> they're just three single guys living in the bear city. You know, they're not gay or anything. Certainly not. They're not three normal, regular bachelor bears regular all with guys. mustaches living in the 19th century. Uh, <laughs> Christ. They're actually just they're actually just big hairy guys. Oh god. Bachelor bears. Well, now we have to look. TM, 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 TM. We're going to film TM, this TM, ourselves. TM, TM, yeah, TM, yeah, TM. yeah. All right. <laughs> Anything to add about Voyage and Return? And did no, you cover that one, or did I? It's definitely. Oh, I covered this one, but it's you definitely that one. Okay. closest to I think what what Joseph Campbell like. You know, what the Campbell idea is like. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the going to the, going to a weird place and return because the thing about the Campbellian circle or you know however whatever you want whatever you want to call it right um is that it it usually specifies a return to what you knew and you return with the experience and the knowledge or whatever you've gained but you know the return with the elixir yeah but sometimes you don't return like luke doesn't return you know like a lot of a lot of characters don't return to where they were necessarily because where they were wasn't necessarily like good for them which is why, again, I like the stages more. Like, the last stage of the meta plot in this book is just the resolution. It, it is simply that. Yeah. Much more vague, uh, uh, as it were. And these are all very vague, and probably none more vague than this next one, which is just comedy. Mm-hmm. This feels diminutive. Uh, light and human. I mean, it's the Shakespearean sense, right? I I get it. I get it. Yeah, but it's like, I, if that's the sense, then we've bastardized the word comedy. Um, Yeah, we have. Light and humorous character with a happy or cheerful ending. A dramatic work, in which, uh, sorry, semicolon, a dramatic work in which the central motif is the triumph over adverse circumstance, resulting in a successful or happy conclusion. Uh, Booker stresses that comedy is more than humor. 
Uh, it's uh, yeah, examples. It's a lot of Shakespeare. Midsummer yeah, Dream, much ado about nothing. Twelfth Night, Taming of the Shrew, um, Bridget Jones's Diary. And I'm going to take contention with this one. The Big Lebowski. There is. Oh yeah, no... I mean that was more. That was definitely one of Shakespeare's lesser known works. But I I do have a Shakespeare style adaptation of The Big Lebowski floating around somewhere. Really? It's like okay. Gentlemen of Lebowski. It's one of those. Uh, uh, oh, like it was like the... the Star Wars ones. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. But yeah. like. If you've seen The Big Lebowski, it, it the man does not come out on top at the end of the movie. Uh, he well, is very much. Of, I think comedy of errors is still comedy. You know, like it. It could be like I don't know. I think it's more speaking more to tone than like what actually happens. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things. Like um, I, I, a lot of bullshit around the Golden Globes recently, but they deliberately do like best comedy or slash musical and right. best drama and. Right. Those are incredibly loose definitions of both of those things. Uh-huh. Comedy slash musical, like I've known a lot of dramatic. so fucking like lay me lay fucking Miz. Come on, yeah, yeah. comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with. I'm sure reading the actual book would get more in depth here, but uh, and I might change my mind if I did, but um. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with putting a category that is largely about tone in a list of specifically plot-related, um, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's such an odd word to apply and, to it. At any rate, um, the next one is the tragedy, <laughs> uh, where the protagonist is a hero with a major character flaw or great mistake, which is ultimately their undoing. The protagonist is unfortunate and evokes pity at their folly and the fall of a fundamentally good character. Which is why Little Shop of Horrors needed that original ending. This is the point. <laughs> tragedy. Hello. We turned it into a comedy. Uh, it's. And again, it's a lot. I should have listened to that soundtrack. Um, it's a lot of uh, Shakespeare, of course. We got mm-hmm. uh, Julius Caesar and Macbeth, uh, Hamlet. Then we got The Great Gatsby, Picture of Dorian Gray uh hamilton interesting yeah i guess that makes sense it makes sense i think uh this is something i've talked about you know ad nauseum on mr shack look back and something i really want to talk about on on your podcast hope but my favorite movie of all time phantom of the paradise i would honestly classify (laughs) as a tragedy even though it's a very like you know wacky sort of film um oh absolutely i mean knowing very little about it knowing phantom of the opera yeah Yeah, exactly a lot of tragedy too yeah I mean, Citizen Kane is also listed on here, so yeah, it makes yeah. makes perfect sense. Um, now... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. But again, it's the same thing that we were saying before with comedy. It's like, tragedy is such a loose term that means nothing to the tone of the movie. You say the word... or the Well, it's, it's exclusively movie, about the tone. The story. Yeah, it's not about the plot. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's more tone of a word than it is plot of a Tragedy word. Tragedy definitely gives us a little more information because uh, it does tell you like this is where this is going to end. Like it's not going to end well, you know. <laughs> like yes, a or, comedy. Uh, a comedy could end like you said with Big Lebowski. A comedy could end with the with you know the hero losing 
But you know what it is? Tone. Yeah, they're coming at it from a point of view of the characters within the story. I'm coming at it from the point of view of the audience member. God damn it. Right. Because that right. is what I am yeah. interacting with all of these stories as. I am the audience. That's why I like those. Um... Damn it. Yeah, that's why I like those. That list of, of phases of a story. I think that's. A yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, the next one listed is Rebirth, which I guess you could also call resurrection um an event uh-huh. forces them <laughs> an event forces the main character to change their ways and often become a better individual uh crime and punishment frog prince beauty and the beast christmas carol uh groundhog day i don't know if i would say an event i might just say the course of the story you know whatever happens in the story yeah i guess it's more like character rebirth rather than um a literal Groundhog Day scenario. <laughs> no, I mean Groundhog Day would would count, right? Because he does change his ways. And he better. does change his ways over time. He is a new man, as it were, yeah. at the end of the movie. Um, so, and of course, again, my temptation with this, as we said earlier, whenever you're given a set of things and it says all things are one of these things, I'm like, yeah, exactly. No, what about <laughs> like you know, like, right? No, we're rebellious assholes, damn it. We're going to wear black trench coats and cool sunglasses and yeah. try to and try to disprove your theory on plots. Yeah. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to make a movie that falls into none of these just despite you. And the movie's going to be terrible. It's going to suck. It's not going to do well financially or critically, but it'll prove you wrong. Now, to be fair, The Matrix Reloaded was a major blockbuster summer of 2003. It was like until a few years later when uh, Passion of the Christ came out, it was the top grossing R-rated picture of all time. Mm, Um, Yeah. 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 That says a lot. Cause... Yeah. I think Deadpool's wow. in that spot now. I forget now, but well, for, for a brief glimmer. Now, to also be fair, the drop off between that and Revolutions was substantial. I think Revolutions made 130 total, yeah. uh, as opposed to like 730 something. So, yeah. Yeah. Buck wild. Um, so then, okay. Why don't we. Why don't we use what we've just learned and try it? Let's let's prove our theory that that okay. it throws it out by trying to to fit uh, Reloaded and Revolutions into these these things. Like oh start with oh metaphor. shit okay all right that, that sounds like the best way to sort of test our, our oh our I concept, like this right? yes absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so, I gotta okay. I gotta sit up because now I'm all excited. I take I it. I, think, I was gonna say we can pull up you know, the plot summaries of the movies, but I think you know them well enough. I mean, me not know a plot point in Reloaded or Revolutions. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> the anticipation stage, the hero's called to the adventure, would probably, because they get the intel, right, that the that the machines are planning to drill into Zion. Yes, if you follow along in the uh, 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 multimedia sensation of uh, the Animatrix, you'll know that in the final flight of the Osiris, uh, they literally send out a letter to let the rest of Zion know that the machines are in fact coming. 
right. so we were anticipating the Matrix Reloaded and that plot since the movie Dreamcatcher came out in theaters. I want to say in late 2002. So actually, no, wait, hold on. I'm doing we're, I'm doing this wrong. This is this. Okay. We should try to fit it into the Campbell one that we did in the last episode. Can you can you pull that one up? Oh, oh, uh, the Campbell hero structure. Yes, yes. I think that one's going to be more interesting because. Okay. All but right. that's well, again, I, 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 yeah, we did this right. You can, you can actually cut that out entirely. Cause okay. I, fair enough. Uh, I let me had. Just, let, me just make a, let me just make a. There we go. <laughs> Son of a gun. So I think it, in the best way to prove our, our concept about these sequels, you know, not abiding by that Campbellian structure is to try to fit in, fit it, fit them into there. Uh, so so let's let's pull that up. All right. So uh, just to be clear, we are trying to cram uh, reloaded and or revolutions into the hero's journey structure. Right. And I don't Great. even know okay. what plot we would call those. Like, I would say <sighs> reloaded. Reloaded's probably overcoming the monster because we're setting out to defeat. I mean, it, it your revolutions is definitely overcoming the monster because he's literally fighting Smith. The whole point of the big, you know, the right. people in Zion are are trying to overcome uh, being annihilated, and uh, uh, Neo is literally fighting the monstrous Smith. Um, yeah, I think we'd have a much easier time with those cramming it in one of their other it's a tragedy they're all dead um it's a comedy morpheus is doing great at the end of the movie is yeah. a, a new man um is reborn <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh 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 smith very briefly was reborn um yeah. so yes okay so I, the yeah i think these ones I'm glad we talked about them because I think they kind of demonstrate how restrictive the original hero's journey is. Because uh, yeah. Are so much more loose. Yeah. Yeah. They're so much more loose and defined, uh, uh, undefined, undefined. Sure. Um, they're so much more vague. And as we just demonstrated, you can cram almost anything into one of those things. So they're not particularly helpful to yeah. Yeah. like, trying to write a story um but the hero's journey however is a proven tried and true formula uh for selling your absolute nonsense um so it starts off in the ordinary world the ordinary world in reloaded is i guess everybody wearing loose knit sweaters in uh what looks like a submarine underground but like ordinary to whom yeah, exactly. Not, exactly. I guess it's ordinary to the characters, but this like is, not to yeah. Neo necessarily. Yeah, characters versus audience again. Um mm, uh call to adventure. That's 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 definitely like that's, if yeah, not that's transmission from the Osiris. I right. If say. it's not if it's not the Osiris, then it's literally Neo getting the message from the Oracle. Uh uh 45 yeah. minutes into the movie yeah um, yeah refusal of the call uh i guess neo doesn't want trinity to die so he well, doesn't want to neo has like that argument with the with the oracle about like 
finding out that she's a program and he doesn't like the fact that he's not in theoretically not in control of his own destiny mm. um but that's not really refusing to like try to save everybody that's because i think that's yeah no i don't yeah, unless really... you're counting like the the call to adventure is the dream that he has where Trinity falls and dies, and he is actively trying to refuse that specific scenario. I guess. Yeah. But it doesn't serve the same function that the refusal does. Yeah. Typically. Um. Hmm. Well, how about meeting with the mentor? Okay, uh, he does talk with the oracle. He he does meet with the Oracle. That's true. Um, uh, let's see. Crossing the first threshold? What would the threshold be in the fucking um, sequels? When they go to the Merovingian, maybe? Would that be the first threshold? Hmm. Because it's the first location that's, like, completely new. I guess... Um, I mean, this, the burly brawl happens on a playground. Uh, so, yeah, and just to like call it back to the original, uh, they've got this listed here. I'm look, just looking at the graph we used last episode. Neo chooses the red pill and wakes up from the Matrix as crossing the first threshold. So, I guess, yeah, going into the Merovingian's place, like, willingly. I but guess. then I think it's, even if we can kind of slot these in, none of these moments are as literal or in your face or textbook as because the refusal of the call in the matrix is literally a phone call that neo says nope not doing that <laughs> and then the the th crossing of the threshold is literally him waking up in an entirely new world um yeah. and and the ones here are just they're not they're clearly not as intentional yeah these are clearly it's, like it's... us trying to like it's the same reason I like the original Star Wars parentheses nineteen seventy seven, um, because it's the perfect streamlined, clear cut version of this exact thing, conveying vast quantities of knowledge in a very brief, concise way using this structure as right. a guide. Um, which I mean, tests allies and enemies. You've got a shitload more. Uh, ship captains, and you've got a shitload more smiths. Yeah, uh, and you got monster mash. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, what's what's left? I guess the meeting approach. With the well, it's uh, approach to the innermost cave. I would call uh, that going to the source, right? That's definitely him meeting up with like the fucking uh, architect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. The ordeal. I guess the ordeal would be the literalization of his nightmare of Trinity falling. Yeah, I guess that would be his low point. I guess so. I mean, the reward. Uh, that could be Neo retaining his displaying powers in the real world that he previously only had in the Matrix. I mean,. We're we're at the end of the movie already, <clears throat> uh, not counting the five extra minutes that probably should have been cut. Um, yeah. But we've still got like four more steps to go. Yeah. Um, that's why, again, so that's like, why I don't really care for this is because it breaks it down so piecemeal that like it's it's really hard. Even even movies that do follow it really strongly are hard to 
Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, we we had some arguments about this in our last episode, uh, even like some of the examples they use, like the ordeal is. um, God almighty. It was the Lion King. I think we had a lot of shit with their examples of. Yeah. Uh, The ordeal was um, uh, Simba must choose to save his kingdom or keep his new life. The ordeal is Hakuna Matata. Uh, That's (laughs) the ordeal. It's uh, it's rough. When I think we agreed on that's that's just an extended refusal of the call. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's see. The reward is uh, Neo going up to Morpheus and saying, hey, all that shit's not true. We're all going to die. It was all planned from the beginning. Our extinction is inevitable. Here we go. Um, yeah. And again, that's demonstrating that sort of meta narrative of like, hey, that that structure that you clung to like a security blanket is bullshit. And we have to find our own way in this life. Like exactly. Gonna, yeah. Um, it's it's what I respect of these movies and what so many people hate about these movies. And it doesn't help that it's done in by such a pretentious dude that looks like Colonel Sanders. Um, <laughs> the road back the road, I guess it's him flying very, very fast through the city. <laughs> Sure. Yes, yeah. The Why resurrection. Not? Uh uh parentheses twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Literally he resurrects somebody else. Um he goes and he pulls a bullet out, right? And and then uh defibrillates her, yeah. Um and then the return with the elixir. And as stated, the elixir is hey, it's all a lie. We're all gonna die. Hooray! Yes. Yeah. Um, to be concluded. And this ignores so much of the movie. Like, <laughs> so much of the movie is lost when you try to view it through this lens. And I guarantee you, Revolutions is going to come out even worse. Uh, oh, God. We're going to do Revolutions next, aren't we? Shit. Uh, okay. We have to. We have to. No, you're right. You're unless, right. Unless we tried to fit them both into the same circle, but I don't think that would work either because I think what we said in their respective episodes is that Reloaded does have its own story. Like, it's a part one, but it also does kind of have its own, like, beginning, middle, and end with this with this. It does. Tribute. They just fail to nail, like, the emotional arcs. Like, um, I, I yeah. would... Sometime down the line... Strong, yeah. Sometime down the line, I want to zero in on like middle movies like Back to the Future Part Two or The Two Towers and mm-hmm. and this um, because I think uh, uh, Back to the Future and uh, Lord of the Rings really nail that middle act where you're waiting upwards of a year between movies, but you need that emotional arc to have a satisfying right. ending so you're not walking out of the theater going... Hey, who the fuck was that upside down dude in that last shot that <laughs> felt like a big stinger? And then you don't um, care, like, yeah, and then you don't care about the movie that's coming out a few months later. Yeah, yeah. Or like, um, oh, Bex has an amazing take on uh, the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Mm, I'd, okay. I'd love yeah. to pick their brain on that subject. Because their, their take on that quote unquote trilogy is great. I'll make a um, note about the middle movies in general. Uh, exactly. God, I'm glad you're the note keeper. 
for this show. Um, we should just start giving ourselves artificial titles like Scribe. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess Revolutions starts... How does it... I don't even remember how that movie starts. It starts in Limbo, right? Oh, oh God. Revolutions, my dear, dear... November the 5th, 2003, what? Revolutions. Remember, remember. Oh, God. It's in November. Um, my, yeah, uh, yeah, the ordinary the world. Movie? The ordinary world. Trinity's in fucking, goes to fucking hell, and Neo is in limbo. Congratulations, the ordinary we world. On, we open on Trinity, right? Going to the, the BDSM dungeon, is that right? We open on... Yes, we open on uh, the interior of the ship Mjolnir. Uh, Trinity is in Med Bay. They get called into the Matrix. But oh, well, there's there's the call to the adventure. Uh, they get called into the Matrix by the Oracle, uh, specifically Seraph. Um, but of course, they like they're not going. They don't refuse though, because it's about saving. They don't. They don't. Um, uh so yeah refusal of the call they don't meeting with the mentor neo does meet up with the uh, oracle one last time when i googled matrix revolutions the cast the first person listed um is monica bellucci as persephone is she having a comeback those results are usually seo oriented i hope so Uh, gosh good for her um but yeah, so it's. I'm trying to think of what the refusal would even be. Um... Would that be Trinity holding a gun to the Merovingian's head and refusing Dang. to go along with his bullshit? Saying, I don't have time for this bullshit or whatever. It, she's... It, if so, that is my favorite refusal of the call of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it could it could be Neo refusing to stay trapped in limbo, but being trapped in limbo isn't exactly a call to adventure. No, I mean, is his fun and interesting conversation with Ramakandra, my best friend, a call to adventure, or is it a weird meditative co- uh, 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 dialogue about the concept of love as perceived by artificial intelligence? Um, yeah. it, who knows for sure um, yeah. meeting with the mentor he meets up with the oracle again yeah okay fine um, crossing the first threshold uh, yeah. getting on uh, the logos uh, um, first threshold would be yeah, I guess that's when they part ways, right? That's when they they set off to do their respective things. I I guess that would have to be, yeah. Um, because the next one is tests allies and enemies. That and... entire forty five minute fucking shit. That. <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I love tests allies and enemies because you can throw whatever bullshit in there and it counts. <laughs> It is kind of the only all-purpose plot Yeah, it's the point. catch-all. Yeah. It's where all the other shit goes. It doesn't fit in with the rest. Um, 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Approach to the innermost cave. Uh, and he goes yeah, in the machine city and he walks out. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, fine. We found um, one. We found one that actually fits. We found one that stuck. The ordeal. He gets kicked in the face a bunch by Smith. All right. Uh, well, I mean, he, I the guess he also flies. Yeah, 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 that's fair. That's fair. I'm being rude to Trinity. Um, <laughs> so was the so was the movie. To be fair, I mean that death sequence is. Oh, they did themselves so dirty between the sunglasses and burning out the eyes. I understand the metaphor from the eye burning, but man, yeah, Keanu already I... had a reputation for being wooden at that point. Right. And then you take away his eyes. That's why no. I think that every every Matrix team, every like Zion team, should have had a different aesthetic. <laughs> they should have had... <laughs> yeah. Yes, and we're the Spider Verse cosplayers. Exactly. Um, uh, the reward. Uh, I guess the reward you got one is, for this one. <laughs> maybe it's him, his peace offering to the machines. I, I guess the reward uh, them that, allowing yeah. him entrance to defeat Smith. I I guess he's given a chance. Yeah, that's that's valid. Um, the road back. Okay, well, then maybe the ordeal is the entire Smith fight, then, because I think we're <laughs> we're already at, like... No, I guess the road back could be re-entering the Matrix, right? That is technically going back to somewhere he's been. Ah, that's fair. That is fair. Because then we have the, the resurrection, right? Um, Which I guess you could see as... Neo um... die. Neo gets assimilated and then blows him up. Right, which could really be also stretching the definition of return with the elixir. Um, he's able to return Smith's source code to the machine city who then annihilates it. Um, yeah. Well, he's able, he's able to return to his body and die, but he returns with peace. He returns with the end of the war. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of see that. funny that that entire 45-minute stretch of them fighting the robots, like, it doesn't matter that they did <laughs> That's, that. I think, the most <laughs> irritating thing about it. Yeah, it's like, the, Neo, this is old Neo hat for the machines. Swoop. Like, yeah, yeah. As much as I love the APUs and just the general aesthetic and vibes of all of that, it's just like, I don't have any deep emotional connection to anybody here. Yeah. Um... It's uh, the same problem of putting uh, 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 Han, Han and, and Leia on Endor uh, for the back half of Return of the Jedi. It's like, okay, right. so now there's nobody in the space battle that we care about, particularly besides Lando. And we're already mixed on his whole deal because his of morality, the yeah. last movie. Right, but exactly. Hey, I mean, at least they, every moving part there accomplished something they needed the shield to be down they needed the death star blown up mm, at mm, least that that was a two-part mm, operation that actually we needed sense. to sell teddy bears i we mean we sell teddy bears we really did need to sell those teddy bears george just made a shitload of them and went oh no and wrote them into yeah. the movie um look when he get when he agreed to get 90 percent of the or 100 percent of the of the uh merch you know revenue you wanted to make it worthwhile. <laughs> hey, George, don't worry. In 16 years, you're going to sell another movie 
you're going to uh, be able to finance another movie based on just pre-selling the merchandise rights. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, well, that's uh, how poorly that's, that one's been. Yeah, that's us absolutely cram a jamming um cinderella ugly stepsister shoving the feet of the uh, of was, these yeah. movies into these this like delicate the, glass slipper of the hero's box, journey little little box with the uh with the round hole has been utterly demolished by these square pegs of movies that we're trying <laughs> to <laughs> what what i think the pegs are just shaped like matrix code and yeah, we're trying to like, like hammer like them 40, in there they're shaped like 40 shapes <laughs> right they're non-euclidean yeah. <laughs> oh god absolute yeah. nonsense but i think again this it sounds negative i think what we're saying but i think we want to make it clear that like we love this aspect of these movies yes they, uh it's part of what Again, just for repeating its sake, part of what I truly love and respect about The Matrix is they were fundamental to me when I was literally 17 years old uh, in 2003 and trying to understand myself as a deeply closeted trans person for the first time. And something about these movies stuck in my craw and uh, I really just spent the next 18 years before my actual transition trying to figure out what it was and i realized that they were telling me about like i said um breaking the cycle one of those cycles is story structures hey idiot you're now you're going to get really obsessed with story structures and think about it in terms of how it applies to dungeons and dragons yeah and and Um, when you start when you start questioning something any system it's hard not to keep questioning right I, I, but like just expanding it wider to the trans thing, sometimes the binary can be good. I mean, I'm a she, her, uh, uh, trans woman, but I have a shitload of non-binary friends. So it, they're useful tools for storytelling, but they're not necessary. I yeah. Keep and I also think that once you've, <coughs> and I don't know if I necessarily believe that there is such a thing as a quote binary trans person. I think once you've, I mean that's fair. I do refuse to vocal binary. train, so that's on me. But uh well, once you've tra- and once you've transitioned and sort of trespassed the binary, like cis society, no no matter how hard certain trans people may try, like to to sort of forsake their their less gender conforming trans siblings in favor of appealing to cis people, they're never gonna fully like see you as one of them. So like, yeah. I'm oh. not saying like don't oh. transition away. What <laughs> I know, I know how we can end this episode on a high note uh, and, and keep within our themes. Do you want to real fast, rapid fire apply uh, 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 trans journeys to the hero's journey? Oh shit! Shit! Yeah, uh, there we go. All right. Um, sure. But I guess the uh, point I was really trying to make is that um, just to just to real quick wrap that one up. Sure. Is that like. Um, shit. What was I trying to? Oh yeah, like you've already. Yeah, sorry, you've already. No, no, you're, <laughs> you've already. You know, you've 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 broken the rules by transitioning, even if you are transitioning to what you know closely resembles the other end of the quote unquote binary. Like, I in my in my view, you're still basically off the map. Like, you're you're still traversing like new waters. Um, and 
yeah, again, it's like once you once you start questioning one thing, everything else kind of kind of falls apart. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah. So useful tools, more of a guideline, really. Maybe uh, more of guidelines. <laughs> so ordinary world. Um, it's it's the nineties. There are only guys and girls. Nothing else exists to me. I am a child, and Power Rangers is a lot of fun. Um, only guys and girls, and Alan. And Al. Oh, well, now see, there's a thing: the male upbringing. I didn't know about Alan. Wasn't the whole joke of Alan that he was discontinued in like 1968? Yeah, I um, guess so. Doll. Uh, original, introduced in 1964. I can't fall down this rabbit hole right now. Okay. Uh, The Call to Adventure. I guess for me, that would be egg slash IRL on Reddit, right? The Call to Adventure. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever cracks the egg, right? Yeah, right, exactly. The egg cracking refusal of the call. I did, I notably, again, did not have one of these. (laughs) Unless you count the first 35 years of my life. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Meeting with the mentor made an appointment with Planned Parenthood. I could also call that when any was. any like other trans people you talk to. Right? Yes, my my immediate reaction to realizing was texting Bex. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, I would say I, I, I have the screenshot. Any, any support system, really? I would say. Yeah, uh, crossing the first threshold. Uh, would that be going on to an actual website, do you think, and just reading more about the experience, or would that be um, sch- scheduling that, the appointment? I don't think it has to be anything medical, per se. I think it's just whatever, the first, like, change that you make to yourself, whether that's, you know, wearing new clothes, changing your name or pronouns, you know, I think that's... That's fair. That's I like that. Yeah, entering okay. that world. And I know I'm being very broad. You're being a little more specific. Oh, no, I'm, I'm being a lot more specific and, like, literal with this, and I gotta shake myself out of that. Um, no, no, it makes yeah. sense why you would apply it to your own. I'm, I'm also just thinking about how to broaden it. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I keep applying my own thing. My, my experience was so fast. So like, it's like, no, I'm 35. This has to happen now. Um, <laughs> tests, allies, and enemies. Again, our yeah, favorite. I think, that, I think that tracks. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it right there. Te- allies, a lot of new friends, enemies. Um, uh congress everybody else (laughs) yeah it's scott pilgrim versus the world yeah exactly yeah yeah. um approach to the innermost cave uh for me honestly again getting a little literal uh it was definitely the first time that i tried to use a a a woman's bathroom in public uh that's the yeah yeah, that is an innermost (laughs) cave um what would it be more generalized though yeah, I don't know, but huh. everybody's got their own. Yeah, it's after test allies and enemies. I think it gets a little hard to define. Yeah, you know, like, like like lives in terms of a story circle, but I think because I think I feel like the ordeal would be like the dreaded coming out to family, uh, True. which which feels like an ongoing process, unfortunately. But I think that's almost that's just the point that we're making is that the idealized you know, the American dream or whatnot, the idealized heteronormative, cisnormative life can be charted on this sort of thing. Like going to school, getting this certain kind of job, meeting the wife, having the kids, having the house. 
you yeah. can chart all that out yeah. and then like up yeah. until wow, your death essentially and then you have when you transition like halfway through that story circle it's like you just it's on a whiteboard and you just erase the other half because it's not charted right your yeah. future hasn't been written yet no <laughs> one's has <laughs> i cannot explain how influential doc brown was to my young childhood um that kid next to him pointing at his crotch ah that poor kid immortalized for fuck that was the take you used that was the take take. i think it was him i think the story is that it was him signaling that he had to use the bathroom um yeah or maybe they just made that up and he was just being weird kids are weird dog i don't know weird but they they've surely had other takes fucking a uh all right the reward um self-actualization does that count as a reward or is that yeah um actual happiness uh the road back is obviously very literal i mean yeah the road back though what's i mean i think that's returning to place it's unlike not unlike the the first matrix movie itself when he goes back into the matrix but now Mm. he's neo he's not tom anderson right go back to where you lived before or whatever and 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 you are this other person that you wanted to interesting okay yeah uh the resurrection feels a little obvious yeah yeah yeah, i get it like i guess you know you could literalize that with like changing your birth certificate or something that's kind of a literal rebirth yeah i can see that um and the return with the elixir again i want to be literal with it and just just like yeah vial of estrogen here's here's my elixir kids yeah Um, yeah uh elixir another state has outlawed the use of elixir um gee i know i know we're going through our own uh uh uh, reloaded right now so (laughs) we're um, going through our own what plot is that the the fight against the monster yeah gosh i hope it's a comedy um yeah uh but yeah um again that's that's an excellent point you made even the hero's journey is so easily applied to a uh cisgendered heteronormative concept it is again because it's that westernized again to use that word you know like loosely but ideal of someone's success of of what someone should aspire to do is anglicanized like a better maybe it's certainly americanized it's it's americanized certainly americanized this feels tailor-made for like michael fucking bay i Um, guess we can just leave it at that then even though i think joseph campbell was not american but he was european yeah probably but like well we could just i mean it's white right it's 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 a white ideal yeah yeah i can see that i think Um, we're getting a little into semantics but um it's yeah and and then it's almost as though you're making it on an etch-a-sketch you're 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 drawing all this out which to draw a circle on an etch-a-sketch first of all good on you but um (laughs) but then you know when you are non-conforming in whatever way socially it's like you shake the etch-a-sketch and the whole thing kind of disappears you don't have a roadmap you don't have a, a path preordained for you and i think that's what the the wachowskis did with the matrix sequels is that they they didn't uh let you know for better or worse again for better or worse with these movies they did not let 
a any any screenwriting professor tell them <laughs> how they should or should not write these movies. Yeah. One of these days I will have to go through all of the audio commentary tracks on the Blu-rays um, because they do have um, philosophers commentating on the movies and oh, also wow. critics commentating on the movies. And here we see and... Neo entering the Matrix. It's the same. Ah, this is the same. Yeah, like I Cornell always... West is like literally one of the people commentating on the movie. I just want, like... I just want, I just want Werner Herzog's take. Oh God! Yes, and here we have the sad gray beige of Zion, <laughs> highlighting <laughs> the futility of the life. <laughs> this is where <laughs> they talk about the tasty wheat and how the machines know what it tastes like. <laughs> Have you seen the video where he talks about how he likes to watch uh, trash reality TV? And absolutely he... not, but I will be looking it up There's immediately. There's a video of him have... talking about how he, he... – so Werner Herzog understands wrestling, and that's the... and he, he loves pro wrestling. He loves – he understands it. He understands that it's theater, and, and he loves it, but he also talks about how he, he watches uh, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. I like <laughs> to watch that show. Uh, and if you find it, you should definitely play the clip. Uh, let's say once in a while – it's isn't on the air anymore. Here comes Honey Boo Boo. Oh Christ! Oh God, that's amazing. Um, so with that, I think uh, I think we're about done here. What would you say? I would say so. Um, I'm just gonna make a quick note about Werner Herzog. Um, God Almighty, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Ask me that. And, in in 2017, I'm gonna say Luke Skywalker. Who's your favorite Star Wars character in 2020? Werner Herzog. Um, I thought it was Rose. Uh, well, Rose, I realized a little later. Um, oh, okay. That's we'll get into it on our Star Wars series. Um, I'm sure we will. It'll be yeah. One long, it'll be one 24 hour long episode. It's it still won't be enough time. Um, You're the Warner okay. brother, the Warner brothers, and the Warner sister. <laughs> and they all talk like Werner Herzog. We live in the water tower above. In the water tower. In, in the Every water day tower we torment the, the psychiatrist. <laughs> the right the mice, they want to take over the world. And now it is time to for end. Freakazoid. Freakazoid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. On that note, um, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, here do I have anything episode? I want to plug? Yeah. Uh, what do I want to plug? I guess... Uh, I don't think we have anybody to thank, really, because, like, you did the art, guys. I do the edit. Yeah, yeah. this is just us. Um, thanks to Christopher Booker for uh, living up to his name and writing yep. thanks, uh, this, book. the book about it. Yeah. You, um, you did good, book. 736 yeah. pages of this nonsense. Great job. Christopher Booker, you certainly are. Um, I think we should start calling authors bookers because they book. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, sorry, I interrupted you. Like yeah, four no, times. I don't. I don't think I have. I don't think I have much to much to plug other than this very podcast. Check out uh, my other podcast that I did with uh, Charlie Marlowe and Shelby Sessler, Mystery Shack Look Back. Uh, Hell yeah! On, Hell of a show on PipeDreamPodcast.com, baby. Find me at Drawn Without Ref on whatever social media platform you uh, can find me on. Um, and yeah, I, I do art. I do animation. I am breaking into theater now. Uh, and I, I Hell yeah. Like that, so. Kicks ass. Um, 
I'll uh, remember to actually promote these episodes on social media, which you can find at uh, <laughs> Matrix Queer Pod on uh, whatever social media is, Instagram and X, yeah, which whichever ones still exist at this point. This point, um, yeah. Uh, and I have been at Hope Lickner on Instagram, Tumblr, Ao3. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've just discovered the wonderful world of 13th Doctor slash Yasmin Khan, uh, fan fix. So that's what I'm up to these days. Find me. Uh, I love it's the challenge. Yeah, pretty much. I'm the where's Waldo of podcasters. Uh, yeah. but you don't necessarily want to find me. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. Good job, team. Another yeah. one well done, and another awkward exit for me to edit around. Yay! Yeah. All right. And I don't know what we're. What are we gonna do next time? What do you think? God, that's actually a great question. What are we gonna do next time? Um, I mean, I figure there's no no better time like on the very podcast to figure it out. Um, oh shit! You're asking me the hard look. questions now. Yeah. We got. Let's um, see, we have on the list here. We have robot uprising slash Asimov bene- uh, benevolent relationships. We could get into you know animatrix recap. Uh, we could do a commentary. We could do you know choice. We could do. We could get into try to get a guest on for something. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's. Let's see if we can rustle up a guest and see what they want to talk about sure. as far as I'm the Matrix sure goes. Have, I know because... you, we, have, we have a few guests in mind for specific topics, but then I know we have some people that we just want to have on for whatever we decide. Uh, yes. so, so I guess yes. tune, in, uh, tune in next time for when we'll have uh, another person here with us uh, other than Smith. Yeah. Uh, 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 so, yes, our, our first, our first non-Smith guest. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah. Um, they might get taken over by Smith over the course of the episode. But we we hopefully. can't say for sure. Um, we yes. can't stop him from doing that. <laughs> he does whatever he likes. He's yeah. so handsome. Um, yes. All right. So, yeah, let's play it by ear. No homework assigned for next time. Uh, just work on your drills, kids. Yeah, I'm you're, getting gonna... slo- you're getting sloppy out there on the field. The end, of the, the end of the podcast is the scene in every movie where the teacher never is able to keep track of time and then the bell rings and as all the students are leaving he yells out the homework of what to and uh, remember to have uh uh chapters one to two read for tomorrow uh, right uh, uh, there'll be a test as yeah. they're all filing yeah. out and the bell's ringing like what do you mean you didn't yeah. think <laughs> to bring that up earlier teachers that did not write a syllabus is our vibe yes <laughs> but that's what uh, <laughs> but that's what the end of every podcast is i can forgive indiana jones for not writing a syllabus he's kind of doing other stuff most of the time um yeah. i gotta know what his fucking office to field ratio is yeah uh, <laughs> yeah Anyway. anyway on that note here's a convenient edit point to say goodbye And remember, you can make your own story for yourself in your life. Don't listen to Joseph Campbell. (laughs) Maybe listen to Carl Jung uh, and probably listen to Christopher Booker. Um, But yeah. And and what about love? Oh, it's the genesis of everything. Goodbye.